Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Donaldson Files here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. There is a possibility later tonight that L.A. Bachelor may join me for a little bit. Uh, at the end of the hour, uh, uh, the Dr. Larry may uh, make an appearance as well. Uh, so, uh, and I have no idea where Coco Konski is. Uh, she is still on vacation somewhere in California, I think in the Big Bear area. So we'll... Uh, so there is a probably a distinct possibility she might call in, but I'm not. I'm going to doubt it. So what we're going to do here tonight? We're going to have we're going to talk about a lot of different subject matters, and and we're going to have some musical interludes along with our usual public service announcements and special commercials. But what I want to do is I'm going to go all over the place. I'm going to start off with the summary of the virus, where we're at, in my view, uh, give my own views and thoughts. We're going to ask the question. Uh, uh, we're going to ask the question of whether or not you know pro teams should force vaccinations. Uh, I'm going to have some NFL questions uh, for fans. For example, uh, Dan Haskins will he find a role with the Pittsburgh Steelers and turn his career around? Is Washington ready to be the big push? Uh, the Packers and Rodgers and Russ Wilson and Seahawks, will they coexist? And can Tom Brady lead his team back to the Super Bowl? Also, we're gonna maybe, we may talk a little NBA basketball, Summer League. Oh, I really want to cover the Olympics in, in kind of a different way. Um, and then we're going to talk about players comp- being compensated. You know, should players be comp- – you know, the fact is today in college football, they have changed the rules in which players can now get some compensation. So we're going to talk about that and how this changes, quite frankly, the entire college landscape. And we're even going to throw in a study recently done by the National Bureau of Economic Research that talks about the money side of the equation. So there's going to be a lot of different subjects. And we're going to talk about Andrew Como saying goodbye, adios. Um, so... And so now I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to begin, you know, basically with the uh, virus, the coronavirus. Here's the thing. I'm going to try and put this all in proper perspective here, Uh, put it in context. And I would let others for themselves decide for themselves how they want to do it because I think this is one of these – I'm going to be very honest with you. I'm going to say this way that we have had bad media coverage of this virus. It's done more damage and has done good. Um, besides the inaccuracy that we often see, it's like a panic porn. You know, everything, is the la- everything is a complete and utter disaster around the corner. And I want to kind of put things in kind of proper perspective here. 
because I think uh, because I really want people to truly, truly understand, you know, this virus. You know, where places, you know, in your life, and so on down the line. So I want to, you know, so I want to kind of make it clear. This you know, put, like I said, the proper perspective and context where we're at. Let me put it in this capacity: is this way. The Spanish flu, which was a century ago, killed approximately 20 to 30 per thousand people, you know, two to two to three percent. Fatality rate, that's what I'm talking about, effects of fatality rate, is far lower, maybe two to four per thousand. Now, how does this compare? And I've done this in the past, and I know I'm repeating myself, but it's worth repeating because I want people to understand this is the virus that we have. This is the virus we have. So uh, we have two per 1,000 to four per 1,000. The average flu season for the past decade was anywhere from three per 10,000 to 1.7 per 1,000, very similar to the low end that I talked about. If you look at the 1958-57 pandemic, for example, it may be closer to two to three per thousand, very similar to what we saw here today, what we're seeing right now. And and so when you look at it from that perspective, now here's the thing. The influenza, the original Spanish flu was actually devastating to young people. The average age of death was about 30 when the seriously ill from the Spanish flu were army recruits. Now, the only reason why they call it the Spanish flu is uh, quite something. Uh, in those days, it was World War I, and the virus was spreading uh, throughout the world. But many of the combatant countries wanted – they kept a clamp on it. They didn't talk about it. You know, they, you know, and they basically had wartime censorship. So a lot of Americans weren't even aware that young soldiers training for battle were actually getting seriously ill and dying. Inclination of this virus actually came from media sources in Spain. And that's why they called it the Spanish flu, because that's where it was first mentioned. Anyway, that's where it was first mentioned, okay? So that's the point I want to make. I mean, so the point here I want to say here is that there's, you know, that today's coronavirus, is basically it's got its own unique property. It's less damaging than the influenza to children, but it is far more damaging to those with underlying condition, those who are overweight, those who are senior citizens. Significantly more so. You can see as much as maybe I've seen statistics as high as ten out of you know five almost as high as 50 out of 1,000, over 75, contract this virus dies. You know, that's not the high end. But you can just say very clearly, it's certainly 10 times what the average person who get coronavirus dies. So you've got almost a time 10. And so when you understand it from this perspective, that this virus very much targets 
know, the majority of people who have died and the majority of people who are in hospital and, and dying today from the Delta variant also have the same properties. Elderly, overweight, underlying conditions. And so we're not seeing anything different as we're seeing with this variant, with, you know, with the, you know, the, the original variants. So we have a virus. We have a pretty good idea of the properties. Namely, it strikes senior citizens at a much higher level than influenza. It strikes the younger at a much lower level than influenza. The overall infection fatality rate is basically two to four per 1,000. Uh, we've had pandemics, like I say, 1957, that were two to three per 1,000 on the infection fatality rate. We would have 2018, we came very close to two per 1,000, maybe 1.7. And so the question comes into play here is when you start putting that in perspective, we need to understand you know, it's a serious virus, but it's also a virus. It is not the bubonic plague. It is not even the Spanish flu. It's closer to the 1957 pandemic, which we did absolutely nothing as far as any things we're doing right now. And and so I am going to take a quick break here on the Donaldson Files and the Bachelor News Radio Network as we will uh, – yeah, Bachelor News Radio Network. We'll be right back. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri, was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent? One in 260,000. The odds of this born racer having 157 career top 10 finishes in NASCAR? One in 125 billion. But every driver seeks the pinnacle of their achievements. The odds of him winning both the Daytona 500 and the Brickyard 400 in the same year? One in 195 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism? One in 88. I'm NASCAR driver Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Hardy's Happy Hour isn't your average happy hour. From 2 to 5 p.m., double sliders are only a buck twenty-five. Call it a charbroiled hour, a double beef hour, a whole lot of melty cheese hour. Call it what you want. Happy Hour at Hardy's is a good call. Offer for a limited time and only between 2 and 5 p.m. Price of participation may vary. That's not included. Napa know-how. The Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Donaldson Files here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, yes, you can listen to this show at 4 p.m. and 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the block on the Bachelor News dot airtime dot pro. 
thebachelornews.airtime on the show, 646-929-0130. And don't forget, we will be followed tonight on this brought on this network by you and the law. And uh, we will also, tomorrow night, I have John Hinderracker coming on the show. He's uh, is going to talk about censorship, you know, uh, censorship, the new censorship, and what we can do about it. So we're going to have him back on the show tomorrow to just talk about those things. Dr. Larry on the resistance, I understand, has Ben Boykin and David Rear uh, joining us as well. So it ought to be great. Uh, so ought to be great. Great shows coming up. Uh, all right. Now, back to – here's the thing. Okay, back to where it was. And so, I mean, the, the bottom line is – I mean, the point I'm trying to make right off the bat here is this, Okay. Is like I say, this is a serious virus. You should be cautious. Obviously, you don't. Nobody wants to get sick, but it's not the bubonic plague, and we should quit treating it as the bubonic plague. I've stated since last May of 2020, yeah, it's time to live with the virus. So, yeah. Okay. So we're going to yeah, you know, we're going to live with the virus. So I wanted to kind of have people understand that this is a virus that's going to be with us. Kind of like influenza was with us, this is going to be with us. So, uh, yeah, so we need to, like I say, we, we need to understand, you know, this is going to be, you know, this is what we're going to be seeing in the future. All right. So, yeah. Now, the other aspect I wanted to kind of talk about is, and here's the thing. I want to kind of very briefly talk about the vaccine, and I want to kind of quote one of my favorites, uh, Kevin Roach. Kevin Roach has the Healthy Skeptic. Uh, it's a great website. It addresses a lot of different studies. So, yeah, and so basically – yeah, I wanted to kind of touch base with this study because, quite frankly, it's one of the study. I mean, you know, he talks about you know he's done a really great job dealing with the virus itself. So, uh, and uh, I wanted to kind of kind of follow up on some of the things that he stated in the past. And there was a very interesting study dealing with the vaccine because one of the reasons why I brought him on on different uh, hours of the show uh, is is that he has done a great job of talking about the vaccine, the success of the vaccine, its weaknesses, but he makes it very clear that he certainly uh, of the vaccine. Oklahoma, there was a study done in Oklahoma, and, and he looked at their data. And this is what he said. I mean, I'm going to kind of quote him here. All right. This is really useful and usable data. Over 1,594,255,000 fully vaccinated people in Oklahoma. They have been recorded, what we say, 2,514 or 2,514 breakthrough infections. 197 hospitalizations, 25 deaths. The hospitalization rate, about 8% of those, 
and the death rate is 1% of those reporting infection. Now, as you can see here, we're talking 1.5 million, over 1.6 million people vaccinated, and there's been reported of 2,500 breakthrough infections. Is all right. So this should tell you that there's some efficacy to this vaccine. I mean, you have over 1.6 million, and you may have 2,500 people who've gotten infected in spite of the vaccination. Uh, and he also kind of talks about okay, as the percent of cases in the vaccination of the total rose from okay, and like in June, is 7.3%. 5.8% decline in July uh, would indicate that cases, you know, cases may have spiked in the state at the time. But that also indicates that, you know, the majority of vaccination, you know, people are those who are getting sick tend to be unvaccinated. So, you know, his point has always been, and what he's making here is this is effective right it's effective okay so and i think quite frankly you know sometimes you know it's an effective which you know leads me to a very interesting point here uh namely you know again i'm not going to tell people how to give you know to get vaccinated i'm not going to do that i'm not going to tell people what I am going to tell you is I've been vaccinated. It's a decision you should make. But here's the thing. Does it work? The answer is better than nothing and works significantly better than nothing. I've just given you the Oklahoma where you're talking about 2,500 breakthroughs of 1.5 million people vaccinated in the state. Now, that's a pretty good set of data. If somebody said to me, I got 1.6 million people. 2,600 getting reinfected or get infected, you know, my question would be is, is that, you know, that to me is, you know, what you want to see, would you not? That's what I would want to see anyway. So, and so I wanted to, you know, and so here's the, you know, and I wanted to kind of bring this to everybody's attention because here's the thing, you know, one of the problems we have with vaccination, in my view, it's become too political. You know, it's almost, you know, we've been taking political as opposed to scientific stances. Uh, in the going into up into the election, there were Democrats who basically said, "I don't trust this vaccine if it's done by Trump." Now we have people on my side basically saying, "Well, you know, this is the Biden and Big Pharma, uh, uh, Big Pharma." And I'm thinking to myself, "Well, first of all, number one, Operation Warp Speed was one of a great scientific achievement." to be able to get a vaccine on the market within 12 months against a virus in the middle of a pandemic. I would say to you, that's pretty good. It's an accomplishment we should be proud of. And again, I'm not going to tell you to get vaccinated. I would say there's been two cases that I could tell you where you had two. One was Brian Dean Wright who is on Twitter and is also an occasional pundit 
And he talked about his experience that he got infected, had some adverse events due to the infection, told him later, you know, I would recommend you don't get vaccinated because of your past health history, and you already got the immunity. Uh, a drummer from a rock band, his name escapes me, had the same issue. Got got the virus, had some issues. The doctor recommended not to do so. And my point it would make is this. If your physician says, what, you may not be the right patient, you have already some aspect of immunity because you've been in you know, of the infection, then I would say to you, then listen to your doctor. On the other side of the equation, uh, if you, a, for, even if you're young and healthy, look at the data, look at the safety feature, talk to your physician, and I suspect that most physicians will recommend you get vaccinated. Okay? They'll recommend you get vaccinated. And we're going to deal with this in a little bit later as we move on to the show, dealing with professional athletes. Should they be, their employees be vaccinated? Uh, And those are very delicate questions. But my point to you would be, you know, look at the data because we've heard a lot of side effects. The vaccine, and again, vaccines have side effects. The flu vaccine has side effects. This has side effects. This imparts immunity to the coronavirus. This is the first generation of vaccines. I anticipate that we'll be seeing newer, different vaccines in the future as the virus itself changes because viruses do change. We've lived with viruses from the beginning of time, from the beginning when man uh, got on two legs and humanity moved forward from the, you know, from the caves. It moved out. So this is nothing new. Viruses have always existed with us. And we've had far more damage to previous pandemics than we've seen with this. Doesn't mean, again, it's not serious. It doesn't mean uh, you, you should not do things to protect yourself. Getting vaccinated is one way of protecting yourself. And I want people to kind of understand. Uh, if you got an opinion on this, call 646-929-0130. 646-929-0130. Here in the Donaldson Files on the Bachelors Radio Network. This is Tom Donaldson, and we'll return after these public service announcements. Every day I wake up at 5 a.m. to give dad his medicine. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m., I shower. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m., I shower. I start laundry at 8. At 10, we go for a walk. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. For those dealing with the daily struggles of caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community with experts and other caregivers for advice, tips, and support. Together, 
Let's help each other better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. And also... Go, guys! Hey, did you guys know that kids who play sports earn more money when they grow up? Of course. I I knew that. Hey, did you guys know that kids who read books have a bigger vocabulary? Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wow, Jinx. <laughs> did you guys know that friendly children have more friends? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's true. I knew that. Did you guys know that winter babies are better at music? Everyone knows that. Oh, yeah? yeah. Pretty obvious. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. obvious. Oh, hey, guys, did you know that most people think they're using the right car seat for their kid, but they're not? Huh, I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure I knew that. I'm pretty sure you didn't. Parents who really know it all know for sure that their child is in the right car seat at the right age and size. Visit safercar.gov slash the right seat to make sure your child is protected. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to the Donaldson Files here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Let me just tell you, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to listen to this show every day, twice a day, uh, you can listen to it on pro, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Central. And also you can listen to it on iTunes, tune in. Spotify, Anchor, and StreamYard.com. So we're all on those particular networks, and uh, and there's a lot of opportunities. Also, don't forget, you and the law follows this show on this network. In addition, uh, in addition, we are we do you know. In addition, we will be doing uh, tomorrow night's show. John Hinteracker will be joining me on the new censorship of social media. And and also, uh, Dr. Larry has uh, Ben Boykin and David Rear. And I got one more special announcement uh, about fighting hunger. You might know me. I'm 50 Cent. You may follow my tweets, my Facebook friends. Odds are a few in six degrees separate us. We're that close. What's crazy is one in six don't know where their next meal is coming from. These are your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends. Hunger's too close for us to ignore. So visit feedingamerica.org slash hunger and find your local food bank to see how you can make a difference. From one close friend to another, let's do this. I'm 50 Cent, and together we are Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. All right, we got L.A. Bachelor on the line. Uh, he's got a, just a few minutes, and so uh, I wanted to kind of get his, some of his. I tell you, okay. Uh, there are two things, LA, I wanted to kind of hit you with. First of all, number one, the NFL is going to be very strict when it comes down to any cancellations 
to the coronavirus. Basically, you park for the game and you lose a day. You lose a game pay. Uh, and my question is, okay, should the NFL force players to be vaccinated? And do you think is this too? Absolutely, it's a business. You got to protect the brand, Tom. You got to protect the brand. You know, you're in business. We're in business. I'm in business. If you sign up to, to protect the brand and you have ample time to um, to to understand what the NFL is doing. Remember, 2020, they were doing the whole COVID and, and getting around and everything. Now, the mandate is there. You're in business. It's just like if you were working at a hospital or anywhere else, and they say in order to keep your job in this COVID time, you have to be vaccinated. That's your job. If you don't, then you don't play. And I think it's pretty selfish if you look in Washington and uh, Minnesota, places like that, you, you've been following it, that you have quarterbacks and players that are not getting vaccinated, and I, it hurts the team. I mean, it, it you know, spiritual, yeah. if you have a spiritual reason why you don't want to get vaccinated, then you just don't play and you suffer those consequences. But at the end of the day, the NFL is saying in order to play, to keep that brand going, you got to get vaccinated. If you don't want to, then you get to sit down and they, you might forfeit your uh, your contract. Well, better, I mean, here's the thing. You're already going to forfeit the game. And that's the key element to me is if enough players, end, you know, if you have a COVID, if enough players end up being sick with the coronavirus, you're going to forfeit the game. And if you're like, for example, Washington, it's like game number 11. You're fighting it with the Cowboys uh, for the uh, Eastern Conference title. You can't afford to be giving up games. You know, you, know right. you can't afford to give up. You can't afford to give up games. Like I said, I have mixed emotions on this uh, in the sense that, uh, you know, I tend to be more of a libertarian in this thought. And, and also younger people and healthier people tend to have less impact. And quite the, the other problem you run into is the CRs are not always the most accurate. But, I heard your commentary earlier, and you sure. said, listen, there's the, you know, um, you, you're not yeah. telling people to get vaccinated. However, you know, the, the, the facts are the yeah. facts, and you, you brought up Oklahoma. So, I mean, yeah. people have to be, be practical yeah. and smart about this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, Oh, yeah. I mean, I agree. I mean, like I say, because to me as a state, you know, I, and I make it very clear. I mean, uh, this is, you know, there are certain aspects, whether it's a mask, whether it's vaccines, that it's all about politics first, science second, where people say, well, you know, that guy over there is the same, you know, vaccinate, vaccinate, vaccinate. So therefore, screw him because he's on the other side. And we've seen too much of that. And, and that's the reason why I've had Kevin Roach on my show twice. All right. Kevin. You know, he's a libertarian type of guy, but he's made it clear. He said, look, he's got the data. I mean, every day the guy's got new data on vaccines. And, he, and it basically his point is very simple. He said, look, you know, the vaccine's not perfect, but uh, it gives you the best protection. The side effects are nowhere near what, you know, if, you know I mean, look at it and say, you know, a lot of these side effects are like one in 100,000, one in a million. Uh, but I think you also two times said that yeah. even if the, even if this you know if the vaccine you don't know whatever uh, vaccine is probably better than no vaccine even if this you know oh, yeah. it's not going to be a hundred percent but you still can get some form of protection if you do it and I, again I agree with you it's it's a personal choice I don't 
I don't say anybody, everybody's going to do it. But I do go back to your first question, which is if you're working on a business and a business says, hey, you have to get vaccined or else, what are you going to do? You're going to get the vaccine, you're going to quit. You know? Well, NFL, especially, no different. Yeah, especially when you're making $20 million a year. That might be something worth right. <laughs> <laughs> It's not like, I mean, like I said, I mean, the thing is this. I mean, it's the, as I stated, you know, you know, the way I'm gonna, like I said last week, we had the discussion with uh, Kevin Rourke. He was on the show, and he and we got talking. He said, "You know, it's like the flu, flu shot. The flu shots are not perfect, but on the average, if you get the flu, it tends to be less severe. It's the same thing here. If you end up with the virus, it tends to be less severe. You tend to less be less chance of being in the hospital, and so on and so on. But as I say, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, you make your choice. Talk to your doctor, and if you've already had the virus, my view." pretty good immunity based on the scientific studies. But it comes down to, you know, sitting down with your teammates and saying, you know, do I go to my teammates and say I'm not going to get vaccinated? And, and cost me yeah, a that, game. You know, you know, Tom, that, I, I got to tell you, Kirk, Kirk Cousins is the worst um, example of that. He's not taking responsibility that his own coach called him out specifically, saying yeah. that he's being not a team player. So he's either going to sit out the year because remember, and when it came out, certain players in sports sat out. So if you can afford to sit out, then sit out. But don't hurt the team. Don't hurt the team. Yeah. If you're not going to do it, don't hurt the team. Yeah, and, and Lamar Jackson's another person who just recently said, "It's not, you know, it's my business and what I get or not." And again, he's the quarterback. He's the leader of the team. He's the leader of the team. So, and. Uh, Absolutely, you know, that's another aspect. Here's the here's the other thing that, that I found interesting, um, and you know, colleges. Basically, the Supreme Court basically told colleges, you know, you know what, guys, you can't be using your athletes like, you know, like the way you do. I mean, you know, you can't be sitting there making billions of dollars off them and give them nothing. Uh, if this was any other business, you would be, you know, this would never be allowed in any of the business model, and. And I think this is going to be kind of an interesting aspect uh, because it changes – the compensation changes, you know, the way the sports – you know, the, the colleges are going to run the sports. It may be it's, you know, it's time for colleges themselves to look at what it is their institution is all about and professional sports look at what their institution is all about. In the case of the NBA, it's like one, the one and done. To me, you got a G League. This G League has been upgraded every year, and my question is, why should a guy, why should a player be told you got to spend a year in college, which you don't get paid, or we might give you a little bit of a, now we're going to give you a little bit of a piece of the pie, uh, like for example in Iowa, they actually had some of the football players do a commercial for a local restaurant for, you know, as far as compensation, but I'm thinking to myself, you know, the NFL for years have used college football as a minor league for free. And, and the questions the colleges have to ask themselves is what's your purpose? Is your purpose to be a football factory? Is your person purpose to be educational? And sometimes those two don't always mix, especially when you get up on the upper level of college sports. Now, I was on the lower level. I competed at Division three. But you get to the Division One A, it's just there, you know, you know. Again, like I say, in case of football, for example, 
They've been a free minor league for the NFL. The NFL makes billions of dollars. Well, I'm going to leave you with this. I'm going to run, and then I can probably pop back in. But I'll I'll say this to you, that um, this likeness rule that came down by the NCAA was was a long time coming, Tom. We know this. The pressure was there. They need to do this for these guys. These guys are, you know, the NCAA is like the NFL. They print money, man. So if they're printing money off the backs of this, these black and white players and other races that are playing all these sports, then they should get some compensation. The, the, the key is how it's going to play out because, you know, the NCAA said, yeah, we'll do this until the courts make a decision. That's the word, until. So they really don't want to do this, but they're, they're, they're forcing um, this decision on themselves based on, ironically, um, some conservative judges that made reference to this in the Supreme Court. So, oh yeah, the, yeah. the, well, the key, is, court, the key yeah. is what's going to happen. No, the key. Look, the Supreme Court's kind of made it clear which way they're going to end up going. So I That's don't right. think the NCAA, the NCAA is in that position. And to me, like I say, you know, it's kind of interesting to me this way. Think of it this way: for years, you know, okay, you get your school, your boarding, but you know, for example. You know, when I was in college, I could actually go to you know work in the summer, and that didn't. And nobody was going to sit back. Hey, you can't play track because I was you know we we had I was a non scholarship track guy, and most of us were. But nobody said you couldn't go work part time someplace. These kids weren't even allowed to do that. They weren't even allowed to pay right. extra money to go back home. And I mean the rules were totally different from any other aspects of college. If I got a scholarship, uh, an academic scholarship, I could still go out and work. And nobody's right. going to say, well, you have to give up your scholarship. And, and these kids are being told, you got to work full-time football and do your studies, and we're not going to compensate you for that. Uh, you and know, it's, it's just, it's, if they take... If they take a, a a bag of oodles and noodles from an agent, they they lose their eligibility. That's the other part of it. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we got we got to we the break here. This is Tom Donaldson, Donaldson Files. We got the great LA Bachelor with us. And don't forget, you and the law is going to follow this show. And tomorrow night, I got John Hinderacker uh, here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. So, all right. You might know me, I'm 50 Cent. You may follow my tweets, my Facebook friends. Odds are a few in six degrees separate us. We're that close. What's crazy is one in six don't know where their next meal is coming from. These are your coworkers, your neighbors, your friends. Hunger's too close for us to ignore. So visit feedingamerica.org slash hunger and find your local food bank to see how you can make a difference. From one close friend to another, let's do this. I'm 50 Cent, and together we are Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa Know How. Napa Know How. 
Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, you can listen to this show, 646-929-0130. If you have a comment or question, feel free to do so. Uh, on Twitter, I asked two questions. Uh, the first one I asked uh, dealt with your views of uh, Andrew Kumo saying goodbye. And uh, the second one, uh, let me see here. Let me make sure I got all this right. Answer professional athletes first their athletes to be vaccinated. Uh, we just heard from L.A. on that. Now we're going to switch over to uh, Andrew Kubo because we do have a comment from Dame This Profile Civil Discourse uh, Twitter uh, from New York. And I, I'm going to just say, for the, uh, he made this statement about saying, you know, Kubo saying goodbye. I don't want this resignation to be the end of any probe into the nursing home situation. I don't want the other government officials to get off. You know what? He's absolutely correct because here, I mean, I, I'm just, I mean, here's the thing with Andrew Cuomo. You know, he was, you know, the gold standard that everybody judged. He 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 played the good role. His his little brother, uh, Chris Cuomo, made him a superstar in CNN. And, you know, they would yuck it up. And but the reality is, he did the worst job of anybody dealing with the coronavirus. Period. The statistics don't lie. I mean, he's up there with something like 2,700 deaths per million. Uh, he's like number two on the death per capita. His unemployment is 7.7%, is, which basically is about something, let me see here, seven point. He's about 1,000 per unemployed per million people over the national average. So, I mean, he did the double whammy. He managed to have a poor performance and death per capita while tanking his economy. He can't even say he saved lives. In fact, he cost people. And I think people should not forget the incompetence, what he did. What he did is he told nursing homes, you will accept patients with covid infections into your nursing homes, basically setting up a brush fire which at least 15,000 died. Senior citizens died as a result of this policy. That's basically five figures. I mean, that's about one-third or one-fourth of the numbers of people uh, that died. One-fourth. I don't know. I mean, if somebody said to me, hey, you do a policy that kills tens of thousands of people, and he's not the only governor. Governor Whitmore, Governor Wolf, uh, Governor Murphy also did the same thing of New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Michigan. But here's the thing. It's not just he did it. But when they investigated, when the Department of Justice decided to investigate, 
his own staff admitted that they lied to federal investigators. Now, we have been sending people to jail for lying to federal investigators in other cases. If you go back to the Russian collusion hoax, people died and people went to jail for, quote, unquote, lying to or misleading uh, federal investigators on a crime that didn't even happen. This crime did happen, and this comes straight from the attorney general's office in New York, who was a Democrat, granted a Democrat who wants to be governor eventually, but a Democrat. We also know that he had his way with at least 11 women complaining of sexual assault. They're not saying you know, you know, harassment or saying inappropriate comments. They're saying actual sexual assault. You know, basically, again, you know, touching and feeling when one should not be touching and feeling. And, and I think, quite frankly, is that, you know, you know, he's always been one. He's been a tough politician over the years. He's not a guy that is a well-liked personality. Uh, he's tough. He has long memories versus political opponents. And I think the, you know, the chickens have finally come to roost for him. Because when the king was wounded, uh, the kingdom uh, went to war on it. Or as they say, you know, when you go to king, you kill the king. Well, this time around, the king fell on his sword. And I think quite honestly is that uh, maybe one of the things that always irritated me about Andrew Cuomo and his, you know, is that we contrast him to Ron DeSantis, who, in my view, got the virus right. Here's the difference between the two. Ron DeSantis studied the science. He was looking at numbers. He was realizing everything that was being predicted wasn't happening. The number of hospitalizations was the number of rate of hospitalization wasn't occurring in the numbers that were the model said that were going to be happening. People were not dying in the numbers that the model said they were going to be happening. He looked at the number, and he was sitting there crashing his economy, and he was asking, is this the right thing? He looked at the science and came to the realization that this is a virus that killed two to four per thousand, had his, and his strategy was basically targeted the senior citizens, designed a strategy at that point. I'm going to protect the most vulnerable. I'm going to protect the most vulnerable. And if you look at his numbers, okay, there have been some increases over recent surges with the Delta virus. But overall, his numbers literally are nearly 9,000 per million less. Or 900 900 less than Andrew Kumo. His economy, 27,000 people per million more are working in Florida than are working in New York. Now tell me which governor has the gold standard and which governor does not. You can criticize every governor because the viruses are going to virus. Now, we've had people on this show who have stated this from day one. Hey, the virus is going to virus. 
this is a virus is going to be with us for a long time. We're going to be dealing with a coronavirus uh, pandemic just as we do with the influenza pandemic. It's part of where we're at. It is what it is. And that's why I said, you know, you learn to live with the virus. But we got vaccines. We should be re-examining older treatments and study them in the right patient population. We should be looking for new treatment because, remember, we actually have an influenza treatment. It's called Tamiflu. And I remember myself, I promoted a competitor to Tamiflu in which uh, you could reduce the amount of illness that you have. Like we'll be doing the same thing with the coronavirus. And I also think we'll be looking at, I mean, I read a nice piece the other day saying that in fact that they're looking at a vaccine that would cover a wide variety of coronaviruses that have already been in the population from SARS to the common cold. It'd be kind of interesting, but we're learning more about this. But my point's very simple. My point's very simple. And that point is this. There are governors who responded, some who did okay, and some who just, quite frankly, were absolutely horrendous. Andrew Cuomo was horrendous. Thousands of people died under his watch that should not have died. Nor should we forget that. I mean, we basically, what finished him off was the 11 women who came forward and the number of women in in the recent report of some 120 pages, 120 pages that detailed these. He made six points. I don't want this resignation to be the end of the probe into the nursing home situation. I, do, I don't want other government officials involved because they get off, because he's absolutely correct. You know, people should be held accountable for this. I am willing to forgive people mistakes in a pandemic. You know, I'm willing to forgive uh, – Okay, I'm willing to forgive uh, uh, a lot of different things, politics. Politics don't always get things right. But when you hide failed policies, do not show transparency, uh, then you should be held accountable. You should be held accountable. So people don't understand that that this is about uh, accountability. This is about accountability. So, and I think, quite frankly, you know, in his case, I was just, you know, I would say very clearly uh, that accountability. Uh, it's a necessity here. It's a necessity. So, 
I will. So I wonder, like I say, so I will. I want people to understand that is a necessity. Brings me to another story here, because you know, again, this is an aspect. We're going to be talking about this more tomorrow. But uh, but these are the kinds of things that again, credibility. And certainly, again, I'm going to bring up Kevin Roach because one of the things Kevin Roach has been very concerned about is not just the credibility aspect, but the faith in our institution, the failures of our institution. Okay? The failures of our institution. I want to kind of read this story real briefly. Uh And uh And I want to and I want to kind of get here real quick because I'm going to have to apologize here. Uh, people to understand is that you have to have credibility with and trust in your institutions. And uh, let me just and there was a story that caught me and here's the story. All right, the CDC reports false. COVID data for Florida leaves major questions. The number of cases that the CDC released today for Florida is incorrect. They combine multiple days in the one, and we anticipate that they correct the record. The correct record, you know, basically, not only that, but the data was showing that August 6th, 7th, and 8th, you actually saw a decline in overall cases, whereas the impression was being left by the CDC. Now, was this an innocent mistake? There's a part of me that would say no. This was not an innocent mistake. Not an innocent mistake. So people don't understand. And so this is the kind of thing I want people to understand. I mean, look, our institutions have suffered. And to me, I'm going to just say, and I've said this so many times, I'll say it again because I don't have any problem saying it. Dr. Fauci is a mediocre scientist who's done more damage to the credibility of science than anybody I can think of. So I just want you to understand exactly that. You think of. And I think sometimes when you make these kind of mistakes, does the politics enter? And I think absolutely it does. Which now leaves me very quickly, I'm going to go back around is I'm going to talk about the Olympics. I didn't see a lot of the Olympics compared to what I've seen in the past, but what I saw was rather impressive. I know that a lot of people, you know, for whatever reason, tuned them out. And But I, I want to kind of point out some very interesting, you know, some of the things that I saw. I, I'm going to talk, first of all, about the men and the women's basketball team. The women's basketball team did what they always did. They win gold. They won seven gold medals in a row. Uh, and guess what? They're still the gold medalists. But the men was interesting because in 2004, you know, we lost the Olympic gold medal. We lost – We can't. I think we had a bronze medal. Uh, it was the first time we didn't win gold since the Russians stole the 1972 uh, Olympic Games. And – and, and certainly 2008 was redemption, 2012 was coronation, 2016 was 
the LeBron James and the group saying one more time, just proving to the rest of the world, you know, this is our sport, guys, and and this is our sport, this is our world, and you're just living with it. Uh, but this Olympic team, it was the younger generation taking over, but here's the thing. This is the key element. France, Slovenia, Australia, Spain, those five countries had legitimate NBA stars on their team, NBA starters on their team. Um, and many of those players were just as good as many of the players on our own team. And our own players know that because they compete with them every during the NBA season. So they were going up against some of the, probably might be the best competition the United States have had to deal with overall. They lost two games in Las Vegas. They lost the opening game in France. But Kevin Durant took that team on his back. He took those youngsters, showed them how to win, you know. And literally, without him, they don't. we don't win a goal. We may not even medal at all. But we went through. Think of this one. We went, we beat Spain. We beat Australia. We ended up with the bronze medal. And we beat France after losing to them in the opening game of the tournament. This was an accomplishment, an accomplishment. So, uh, and winning was fantastic. Wrapping themselves with the flag and saying, we did it for America, we did it for ourselves. They did a great job, and they should be congratulated. There were other great performances as well, but I I just wanted to kind of point that out. This is Tom Donaldson here with the Donaldson Fund. We want to thank uh, L.A. Bachelor for joining me uh, uh, for a little bit tonight. Tomorrow night, John Hinderacker joins the show. Tom Donaldson saying good night. news out of southern Wisconsin where a man has been shot execution style while filling up his car at a gas oh, station. The suspect then opened fire at a second gas station, but an undercover officer fired back there killing that gunman. The officer was also wounded. WGN's Patrick Elwood is live in Franksville, Wisconsin with the latest. Pat. Ray and Micah, good evening to you. Investigators still very much trying to figure out the motive of the gunman, the suspect who was eventually shot dead. But to sum up the Racine County Sheriff's feelings today, if it were not for one of his deputies, things could have been much worse. A 32-year-old white male from Heartland approached a 22-year-old white male from Elkhorn who was simply putting gas in his car and was viciously executed. Racine County, Wisconsin Sheriff Christopher Schmalling describing what happened at the Pilot Travel Center, a popular gas station and convenience store. The time was 7.30 this morning. After firing at and missing another person, that gunman drove off. His next and final stop 
was a mobile gas station about two miles away where he approached with gun drawn an undercover sheriff's deputy who had just started his shift. The deputy, a 21-year law enforcement veteran, drew fast and the two exchanged shots. The suspect was hit several times and killed. The deputy was also shot and hospitalized with what is described as a non- with the latest. Judy. Good morning. The officer killed was 29 years old. She joined the police department in 2018. The other officer, a male, remains here at UFC in critical condition. Chicago Police Brass is asking all Chicagoans to keep him and the families of both officers in their prayers. Police Superintendent David Brown was out of town to make funeral arrangements for his mother, but he did release a statement that says, in part, these officers put the safety and lives of others above their own, serving with courage and honor despite knowing the cost. Please pray for the family and loved ones of the fallen officer who now face a world without her. Please pray for the recovery of the other officer who is fighting for his life. Police conducted a traffic stop at 63rd and South Bell in Inglewood last night. Two men and a woman were in the car. Someone in the car opened fire. Officers fired back. Police have the two men in custody. One of them was injured. They are still looking for the woman. They also report recovering a gun at the scene. The fallen officer was a member of the community safety team, which formed last summer to target high crime areas. Selflessly. They go out here and do their jobs. Thanklessly, they do it without asking for anything. They do it because they love it. They do it because it's something a higher calling for them. And they do it because it's the right thing to do. The last Chicago police officers who were killed in the line of duty were Eduardo Marmalejo and Conrad Gary. They were killed in December of 2018 while ch uh, they were hit by a train while chasing a suspect. The last uh, Chicago police officer shot and killed was Samuel Jimenez, and he was killed during the Mercy Hospital shooting in November of 2018. We're outside the University of Chicago Medical Center. Judy Wang, WGN News. Hey, we want to thank you for tuning in to You and the Law podcast show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. We want to remind our listeners that uh, you can also listen live to the podcast show on blogtalkradio.com backslash L.A. Bachelor. Uh, and the chat room is going to be open, so you can send your uh, comments and questions uh, into the chat room. And the call-in number to the show is 646 9290130 and if you uh, like to come on uh on the air live and and speak with us just let the producer know that uh you've got some comments that you would like to come on air and share with us so he he will screen the calls uh there so or if you just like to listen to the show that'd be fine but 
Uh, T. Swag, brother, we have, uh, unfortunately, you know, the day we're going to be talking about the uh, gun violence that police officers are facing across the country. And this past weekend was the, you know, we, you know, saw the, uh, or heard about the tragic death of a, of a very young female police officer in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, good, good evening to the listeners and, uh, LA, you know, condolences and, and prayers to the, the family of, of the, uh, the young female officer killed in the line of duty, uh, and, uh, to the, to the other officer who's fighting for a life, actually who was murdered in the line of duty. Um, yeah. and so, you know, and I just read another one, uh, somewhere in Kentucky that was working an off duty job sitting in his, in his vehicle and he was ambushed and, uh, yeah. young officer, 20, 20, 26 years old. But age has nothing to do with it. It's just the fact that these are um, the attacks against law enforcement officers um, has continued uh, to 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 um, uh, to get to get worse, and, and it's it's just it's uh, it's disheartening, man. Yeah, it is. It, you know, having me. having lost an officer in the line of duty. Uh, you know, several years back, man, it is just disheartening. It is, you know. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, it, it takes, a, a, you know, the, the families that are have to deal with this, you know, uh, words of comfort is just not enough. Uh, you know, it's all that we can say to, to the family. But what makes this uh, shooting death of, of Officer French in Chicago even much more Tragic Keith is the fact that she is she has she leaves behind a two month old baby. And she's just uh, returned from maternity leave. She has just, just returned, returned from maternity from, leave. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, just to can you imagine uh, how this family is gonna to have to deal with raising this uh baby without a mother and explaining to to uh, this baby when it gets older about the mother because at, at two months old, you, you know, it's, it's, it's just tragic. And, and the simple, and when you learn what, how this uh, shooting occurred and it occurred on the traffic stop and Keith, we all know that traffic stops are some of the, some of the dangerous encounters that police officers have. Yeah, and you know she was uh, she was assigned to a fairly new unit that was focusing on uh, violent crimes, gun 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 crimes, and mm-hmm. um, it's just um, you know it's just unfortunate, man. I, I will I will tell you this: um, this is not the law enforcement job that you and I signed up for. And what I mean by that, uh, we we lost officers in the line of duty. But if you think about the 30, you know, 25 to 30 some years we've been in law enforcement, I've never mm-hmm. seen so many officers ambushed. Uh, yeah. I've never seen anything like this, you know, officers intentionally being hit by fleeing vehicles. Uh, I've never seen that. And there's so much anger. And, and you want to know if it's anger toward our, our our brothers and sisters in blue or is it just the, is it just that? That there are these type of individuals that are so disheartened that they um, 
you know that they that they that they do that you know somebody doing their job uh, you know, I know our job is dangerous we we know that we we sign up knowing it's dangerous but you're talking about people being ambushed you know um it's it's just uh it, it leaves me at a loss for words yeah well, and Keith, you know, over the the course of of the show, we're definitely going to be talking about the the uh, the gun violence that uh, police officers are facing across the country. But we're going to take this quick this break, and we come back. We're going to get into the the conversation of uh, the violence that police officers are facing uh, from uh, from guns. But you're listening to you and the law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Beyond Healthcare is an in-home healthcare agency focused on providing high-quality service and customer satisfaction for our clients while providing a professional staff that meets all the client's expectations. With over 11 years of service in the industry, Beyond Healthcare Agency goes above and beyond the personal needs of our clients by taking a deliberate approach and interest in making sure all the needs of the client are met. Whether it's Medicaid-related issues, communicating with their caseworkers, and so much more, we assist clients from medical transportation transportation, meal preparation, hygiene and grooming to just being a companion in times of need. Medicaid, private pay and long-term insurance accepted. Daily or weekly care are available upon request. Beyond Healthcare, 2617 Chapel Hill Boulevard, Suite 8 in Durham, North Carolina is affordable, reliable and insured. For info, call 919-249-5753. You can email them at homecare at beyondhealthcare.info or visit them at beyondhealthcare.info. Beyond Healthcare Agency, we go the extra mile. Broadcast here on the Bachelor News Radio Network and the WCOM uh, in Chapel Hill, the CLM, Richmond, Virginia, uh, IBM TV, Big Mind Entertainment, and Bachelor News Radio Network. Of course, you can catch the show if you miss any part of the show at the Pro. One of the things, guys, that we're already getting in is what Chief Humphrey said, which is, you know, um, what is the real reason behind some of these uh, tragic deaths? And one of the things, guys, I said to you, I always said to both of you, because I respect and, and care about both of you, is that you keep your head up and be proud of what you do, but keep your head down uh, in in the midst of these type of um, uh, tragedies. But one of the some of the stuff that I'm getting now, Chief Humphrey, Chief Green, is that um, you know empathy. After in the aftermath, empathy for this, and this is something that the two of you have discussed on this show before. Having that empathy for, um, you know, your your comrades that, that lose their lives, because at the end of the day, it's still a life. And if it's an innocent life, if it was something that they didn't cause, then there should be empathy. But there are some struggles in the the emails that I'm getting. And having a past is that, you know, this this is like you bring it on type mentality, which is really sickening, guys. And I want you guys to, to address that. Well, and you know, I'll say one of the things, L.A., uh, 
this is we're living in a, in a society where there's just no value for life. And uh, time and time again, we we have seen so many people who are who don't value police officers' lives. Uh, they don't value uh, any any other person's life. And you've got you know this whole uh, issue with the the things that's going on with uh, police violence in the in the in the minority community, but I think when we ask the question, if someone asks the question, what is behind all, you know, the rise in, in gun violence, it, it, you know, especially in Chicago and in other major cities like Detroit and even in Minneapolis, you know, we have, uh, when you hear of a, I'm going to give you an example of what, what I come across uh, to our listeners. There's a lady, Keith, in Minneapolis who, in in May of this year, uh, between her and her boyfriend, neither one of them have a felony, they went out and purchased 47 guns. Now, what they turned around and did, Keith, uh, they sold those guns on the streets uh, to people who cannot legally purchase a gun. So it's called a, a straw purchase. And so when you have... 47 guns who end up in the hands of individuals who their only intent is to commit a crime because they legally cannot purchase a weapon. In Minneapolis, the police uh, recovered at least five weapons that were purchased by this lady that were involved in shootings. And so that's a big issue, Keith, that uh, that is facing law enforcement when you have individuals who have the, the legal right to purchase a weapon, but they're doing it under this straw purchase, saying that they're going to be in possession of these weapons, but now they are in turn selling these weapons to individuals on the streets. Well, you know, Virgil, this is the thing that I think to realize that, that makes our job even more dangerous. And we fight up we we signed up to do this job and we know that it's a dangerous job and we know uh that we you know our fellow officers there are fellow officers that uh you know over 100 officers uh are more average or on average are killed each year we we know that and, and but we still continue to do that but we're fighting a violent we're fighting violence uh and you know the more guns that are available out here and and I'm a strong believer in the second amendment uh, I have no problem with the Second Amendment, but when you are able to um, purchase guns and and sell them illegally, uh, and 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 you continue to do it, uh, that that's that's what makes a person do that. Well, it's comfort, and so the more guns out here, put so many people in 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 danger. And this is the thing: whatever your feelings are about police, uh, nobody deserves to die. Um, and we yeah. understand, I, you know, I, I get it. People are still uh, upset about uh, Floyd, but every police officer yeah. in the nation did not kill George Floyd. George every Floyd, police yeah. officer in the nation did not kill Breonna Taylor. And so to wish bad on a person based on the dirty deeds of another person is just disheartening. And at the end of the day, this was a baby that was killed 
This was a this was yeah, a, 29 this was years a child. old. And what I mean by that, and what I mean by that, she'd only been an officer three years, and and she had just got back off maternity leave, and yeah, ambushed. It it wasn't it wasn't as though, um, you know, I mean, this this young lady wasn't struck by a vehicle. Uh, you know, that's tragic. This young lady uh, didn't didn't die of a heart attack or anything like for medical purposes. This young lady was ambushed. Her and her partner were ambushed. And there is no justification for that. You know, there's no there's no martial law when it comes to uh, ambushing police. There's no martial law when it comes to there, – there, there's not any. And, and so um, – it's just sad, man. It, it, it's sad. And I think what people don't realize that we're having a difficult time uh, filling these positions in law enforcement. And what that means is that there's, there's going to be less coverage out there. There's a possibility of less coverage, slower response times uh, to deal with the, 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 the crime. And so then we have to determine what services are we going to be able to deliver to our community. But but I, I say this, man. It is there is no justification for anybody to be killed, other than a, other than a you know a, no no to take somebody's life. Uh, there's no justification, you know, with the exception of if your life's in danger. But there is no justification to kill somebody, uh, no matter what. I don't care how much you dislike that person. I don't care how much you dislike their job that they're doing. There's no justification. Uh, and um, at the end of the day, it's, it's just it's, it's uncalled for. It's unnecessary death, and, and it's, it's just it's just uncalled for. And then this is the deal: if you're going to do that, be be a man, be a woman, stand there and get arrested. Don't run and hide. So to me, you know, you're that's, that makes you a double coward. And a double coward is someone who. Who, who ambushes somebody and then you run and you hide that's that's a double coward and so if, yeah. if you're gonna if you if, if you're gonna if you're tough then stay there then, then stay there and wait for the officers to get there and arrest you or whatever but don't run and hide don't, don't yeah. do that and then yeah. you cry when you're taken into, into custody yeah, I, I got a big time problem with that yeah yeah, well, hey, Keith, uh, the L.A. has a question from, from one of our listeners. Uh, so go ahead uh, with that question, L.A. Uh, actually, um, it's two questions that just came in as uh, Chief Humphrey was uh, talking. Uh, Marcus uh, in Baltimore, of all places, right, said that um, uh, it's not just the politics of uh, getting rid of the guns, the guns of the street hurt both sides he said more guns on the street bring more violence in the urban communities to your topic and he said there are more guns that are more powerful that take out police so both sides lose um mark um and tallahassee said there's a secret i don't know guys you could address this if you want there's a secret underground group of people on the left that want to take police officers out as in question uh he said as mentioned in the uh, youtube uh video audio of this tragedy that took place with this officer i bring both those things to you guys you guys can address let me, well, let me say this, Virgil. Virgil, please, let me, let me answer this second one, man. 
and we'll get back to the, the you know the first one is that there are uh, uh, it, it, there are those weapons out there that that are um, uh, that are that are that people don't know about that are simply purchased to to, to kill people and simply purchased to um, to harm. Now let me talk about this second deal. You know what? It, it's amazing that each and every time we bring up a subject, uh, there, there's a person who calls in and brings up politics. You know, what does this have to do with the right or the left? I guarantee you the individuals who did this probably didn't even vote. They don't even care about voting. They don't even care about what political party a person belongs to. They were, they were, they they had a plan, and they they murdered a, a police officer who was doing her job. Now, if if you want to talk about that, let's talk about the officers at the Capitol on January the sixth who were attacked and who were called racial slurs, and one officer was killed, and others were injured. And let's talk about how you have individuals who steal, who sit in, who sit in positions of power, who still minimize these officers, how they were attacked by, by, by people who thought a certain way politically. So let's talk about that. Those are facts. So calling in, talking about the left and the right. You got a you got an, an innocent mother who just gave birth to a child that was murdered by by cowards. And you got another officer followed by it doesn't matter. So don't be calling here talking about left and right. At the end of the day, you got you got a dead police officer whose baby will never know its mother and you got another officer fighting for their life and you got a whole force of officers in mourning, a city in mourning, and a nation of blue uh, uh, men and women who are mourning. So I dare you talk about the left and make this a political issue. Yeah, well, and, and I agree with you, Keith. You know, people have their their own agendas, and, you know, they want to put politics into the conversation and say, well, it's the left and there's individuals who are trying to do this. You know, at the end of the day, there is a uh, there are individuals who do not uh, value and respect police officers. And uh, just this year, uh, Keith, I mean, we're in what uh, August of, of 2021. There have been 196 officers uh, killed in a line of duty. Now, out of that 196 officers, uh, Keith, 37 have been from gunfire, which will be 38. So every day these numbers change, and there's 37 families who will lives have been forever changed because of an individual who decided they did not want to go to jail, but they were going to kill a police officer. But Keith, we're going to take this break, and we come back. We're going to get into this to this topic of um, of the totality of gun violence against police officers. But you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. 
Well, Alan and Cheryl, last we heard, the 32-year-old officer is in fair condition with doctors keeping a close eye on his recovery. Thankfully, doctors say they were able to repair all the damage done from the shooting. Tonight, Chicago police are on the search for at least two gunmen who pulled the trigger on one of their own, an off-duty police officer. Police say the four-year veteran of the department underwent emergency surgery after two men allegedly ambushed the officer in his personal vehicle and shot him in the abdomen. He remained stable throughout the entire case, and he, he's currently doing well. This happened while he was stopped at a red light at 89th and Stony Island this afternoon. Tonight, the motive is still under investigation. Superintendent David Brown says thanks to the quick actions of three officers, the 32-year-old got help fast. Without their intervention, quick, quick thinking uh, to get him transported as quickly as possible, it got him into surgery, uh, likely saved his life. Brown described the officer assigned to the 4th District as hardworking and well-liked among his colleagues. It's been an outpouring of officers. Uh, we really had to really put the stop sign up because <laughs> officers just kept coming, kept coming. This officer is the second Chicago police officer to be shot and wounded within 24 hours. Yesterday, a sergeant suffered a graze wound after he was shot in the parking lot of the Gresham Police Station. Unfortunately, this event uh, reminds us of the dangers that our officers face every single day, whether on or off duty. The investigation is still ongoing. Police hope that nearby security and surveillance footage can help them track down these shooters. Hey, if you like that video, be sure to subscribe to our ABC7 Chicago YouTube channel. Welcome back to the show. It's the uh, You and the Law broadcast on the Bastion News Radio Network, WCOM, WCLM, Big Mind Entertainment, IBM TV, and the Bastion News Radio Network rebroadcast at thebastionnews.airtime.pro. Um, guys, I, I want to, uh, I'm just sharing this stuff with you, and you can address it accordingly. And these are the things that are coming in. Um, and take it for what it is. Henry, uh, let me see, uh, Henry in Georgia said, um, and then actually he didn't say, he just uh, screenshot fatality statistics. And really, uh, Chief Green, uh, you said 196, but he said fatality statistics, um, the year 2021 total 196 minus 10%, so it's down. Gunfire. Uh, 37, 28 percent. Uh, auto, 40, uh, 31 percent. It was 42 of those, and other 117 down minus 25 percent. I don't know what he's getting at. Hopefully, um, Henry will you'll hit me back and tell me what this means. But he's quoting these stats. The, the biggest, the glaring one, I I think, uh, Chiefs, is that the first one, the total of fatalities, 196, as you said. Chief Green is down 10%. And he made a point of reference to say that. So, I, again, I don't know what that means, but I'm just sharing that with you guys, and you guys can address it a, a, accordingly. Well, and well I'll say I, this, I would Ellen. say that I, I would say to him, I would say to, the, to him, try to tell the families of those officers that it's down 10%. Those officers that have been murdered. See if it makes a difference to them that it's down 10%. Uh, that's, that's, that doesn't, that still doesn't, doesn't, um, that doesn't help the fact that you have these men and women who are family members who are dead. I, I think I see what he's saying, but 
it doesn't matter. Even I don't care if it's a 1% decrease. You still had officers killed in the line of duty. I, 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 you know, I had I had a person tell me this one time. We were trying to uh, get some uh, emergency equipment uh, for a police department, and they went to the same um, page and and basically said, "You all don't need any more ballistic vests because fewer officers are being killed." That is that that that's a mindset, and I'm not saying that's what this gentleman is saying, but to say. <laughs> 10% be that's not an accomplishment that that that's that's basically means that that there were 10% I mean you just basically saying that's negative 10% but I go back to say tell these officers tell that female officer tell officer French's baby that only oh, there's 10% less officers who were killed tell see what her family thinks so Virgil, go ahead. Well, and, well, and Keith, I think where where uh, the listener is 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 probably getting his information from uh, is, uh, and hopefully it's from the uh, Officer Down Memorial uh, page. Now, uh, in in last year in 2020, for the total year, uh, we had uh, 369 police officers were killed in the line of duty. Now, 45 were were related to gunfire. Now, when you talk about uh, that, hey, there's a 10% uh, from, the, from where we're at here in 2020, in, in 2021, that is the total death of police officers. But when you look at the fatality statistics in gunfire, which is 37, which another officer just lost his life, so there's going to be 38, it is up 28%. Auto accidents that have killed police officers is up 31%. So when you start using statistics and data, you got to understand, and Keith, and you and I know this, you got to understand what was the previous year uh, and at the same time, is this being uh, correlated with uh, with the same exact time of what took place last year in August? So, again, you know, hey, if you want to say that there is a 10%, but that 10%, listener, is from the total number of police officers killed. But But what we're talking about, is a fatality statistics related to gunfire, which is 28%, which is up. And so, but Keith, when we talk about why are so many police officers being killed in the line of duty, it's the illegal guns that are in the hands of these individuals who legally don't have the right to possess these weapons, but we have individuals who are using want to say the black market they want to go and buy the guns they want to sell them to individuals uh so let's say you go out and you buy a a glock and you pay you know 200 300 for it well you're going to turn around and sell that on the street for 600 because some they're they're going to give you 600 for something that they want and if you've got something that's even more powerful so keith this is uh 
this is something that's been going on for for a number of years. There's been a lot of conversation on a federal level in legislation behind the straw purchases. The Supreme Court actually ruled uh, against straw purchases. Uh, and, and I want to say this, Keith, you know, police officers, and I just sent you some information earlier, Keith, where a former uh, police officer in the city of Tulsa, Oklahoma, has just been arrested and has just been charged with straw purchase. She legally went and bought a weapon. She gave that weapon to her boyfriend. Her boyfriend, in return, used that weapon to commit a, uh, a shooting. So here's a black female police officer in, in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, who just lost her career because she went and bought her boyfriend. She went and bought a weapon, but she gave it to her boyfriend. And so it's just not a regular, you know, Joe Blow who's out here buying weapons under this straw purchase. We even have police officers that are doing the same exact thing but they're also being held accountable for it. But those weapons are ending up in the wrong hands. Yeah, you know, it, it used to be where police departments would uh, would um, actually uh, trade their weapons to uh, uh, gun companies to offset the cost of new weapons. Uh, police departments are afraid to do that because you don't know if those weapons will get back in the hands, who those weapons will get back in the hands of. And it's going to the origin of that gun is going to come back to that uh, to that police department. But but I, I will say this, man, we we got to stop making this. We we got to stop in the nation. We got to stop making gun violence a political thing. And it and when you yeah. and 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 you got to stop talking about the left and the right. We've got to stop talking about um, violating people's Second Amendment rights, and we got to start talking about the violations that go against people's lives uh, when they are murdered based on the fact that a person can have easy access to a weapon and, uh, and it keeps going on and on and on and on. And, and so that's what we need to focus on. Uh, how many, how many mass murders need to go? How many um, Parkland uh, Parklands need to go on? How many, nightclub shootings in Orlando need to go on, you know, how many church shootings need to occur, uh, how many Dallas's need to occur, uh, how many of those need to continue uh, to occur before we realize that we need to start lowering the boom on people that, uh, that, are, that are in possession of these weapons. So far this year in our city, Virgil, and to the listeners, we've taken 500 guns off the street and arrested almost 300 people who were in possession of those illegal weapons. 500 guns, man. That do you realize this is the eighth month? We're talk, we're talking yeah. 90, uh, almost. We're talking. What are we talking? 60 guns a month, illegal a month. guns yeah. that we've taken off off of people average. 60 guns, mm-hmm. and we did 18 in one week of illegal guns that have been stolen that have the serial numbers filed off or that have been uh, linked to other crimes throughout the state or the nation or whatever. This is what, this is what we're dealing with in the nation right now. There's an epidemic. We talk about the pandemic going on with COVID. There's a pandemic of weapons. 
and violence. Well, yeah, there is, Keith. And, you know, I want to, you know, the shooting this past weekend with the Chicago police officer. The when one of these subjects in the car t- took off running, it was the community who stopped this individual, tackled this individual, and held this indiv- individual down uh, until police arrived. And he was still in possession of his weapon. And so, Keith, there are communities who are tired of seeing their police officers uh, injured and killed by individuals who do not care about them. And so that goes to show you that we have people in, in, our, in our communities who care about these police officers. And for those citizens to put their lives, uh, who, just, who had just witnessed these same individuals shoot and kill a police officer and, and seriously injure another one, but they took it upon themselves to make sure that that individual did not get away. Says a lot because that shows that the police department is working with their communities and their communities are doing everything they can to uh, work with them. And and so, well, well, uh, uh, Virgil, I will say this: communities are getting tired of being labeled as violent. The communities yeah. are getting tired of being labeled that people don't care. There are people who care. There are there are so many people in this nation that that actually care about their communities, the quality of life. That actually that actually uh, appreciate what police officers are doing, but they're tired of the of the of the violence. They're tired of the de- they're tired of the deaths. They're tired. And, and so, yeah, they are getting more involved because they realize we do need help out here as as a law enfor- as law enforcement. So, you know, it's 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 not everybody hates us, and 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 and, and, and there's more people out here that that admire what we're doing, even after everything that's going on with 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 Mr. Floyd and and, and Brianna, people still know that's not who we are. That's that's not who we are, and I like, and the, and there are people out here that will put themselves in the way for us, just like we will for others. And so I, I yeah. want to share that with the with the with the with the listeners. But people are tired yeah. of violence in their communities and being labeled as violent cities, and you don't want to go there, you don't want to live there. Uh, you know that that's crazy. Yeah. Well, hey, Keith, we, we're coming up and we're going to take uh, our last break. Uh, but when we come back, we're going to get back into the conversation of the totality of gun violence against police officers. But you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Would you like to know where your family came from? Are you planning a reunion? Is your business celebrating an anniversary? Valerie Metzler, archivist historian, can help. With 34 years of experience as an archivist, preserving and making accessible documents and photographs, and as a historian researching genealogies, Valerie Metzler, archivist historian, can bring your history to life and preserve it for your children's grandchildren. For more information, email her, vmasinmaryah, at key 
vmsinmary.net. That's V M as in Mary, A H at key, C O N N.net. Or call WCOM and uh, and Chapel Hill, Big Mind Entertainment, uh, and of course, IBM TV, the Bachelor News Radio Network. Don't forget, again, if you miss any part of this great broadcast, you can go to uh, the website, thebachelornews.airtime.pro, and you can listen to uh, the rebroadcast of this, this great show. Um, uh, you can check your local listings there, uh, but typically... Uh, you and the law is on at at noon and of course at 6 p.m. Eastern time throughout the week and on the weekends too. So, um, guys, one of the things consistent one it is it, what I always try to give you the consistency of what people are saying is going back to and it's you guys getting eagle diamonds. Chief Humphrey was talking about you know um, the direction or the perception of neighborhoods and there being violence and that being portrayed in in mainstream society and society that uh, causes some of these uh, divides and they're saying how do you they're asking you how do you um, is an is the question we've already uh, kind of talked about but how do you uh, portray uh, the police in in, in a, a good light? Uh, getting the empathy because I do care about you guys. And there's a lot of people out there that do care about the, the lives of law enforcement, but how do you get both? How do you get the perception that we're not all bad at the same time, making sure the empathy and the understanding to bridge that gap is there uh, between law enforcement and the community? Well, you know, I'll say, L.A., I think one of the things that people uh, have this uh, this attitude that, hey, we've seen what happened with George Floyd. We saw what happened with Breonna Taylor. We saw what happened with Michael Brown. We saw what happened with so many other uh, uh, black men and women who have been killed by police officers. Those officers represented uh, something that all the other 90, 90, 99% of police officers don't represent. And so you've got these men and women, and everybody has to remember, these men and women, they live in, in, in your communities. They go to your churches. You see them in the stores. They take their kids to school. They have families, just like we have families. And so 
when they put that uniform on, it just represents that they have taken a calling to serve their community. But to say that we all know that when you put on this uniform, there are dangers that come with this with this position. But when you have individuals who take it upon themselves to, when they get pulled over by the police and they don't want to go to jail, uh, they rather kill a police officer than go to jail, or rather kill a police officer than get a than get a citation. Because at that point, that police officer didn't know who these three guys were in this car. They were just doing a routine traffic stop. And so I think people really need to separate, if you can, separate what – I'm not asking you to, to forget what happened to, to what we saw with uh, – George Floyd, or what what happened with Breonna Taylor and Michael Brown, and so forth. But the fact that there there are men and women who put this uniform on to go and serve and protect their communities, just like this 29 year old female police officer who just returned from maternity leave. She leaves behind a two month old baby, and this child would never know its mother. And so that's where people really keep really need to have that understanding, have that empathy, and have that concern that you and I, we don't know Officer French, but you and I share the same feelings and emotions because here is a police officer who did not have to lose her life, and there is another officer who is fighting for his life, all because of, of these three individuals who did not want to go to jail and the fact that the weapon that was used was purchased in Indiana. Now, a whole nother conversation, Keith, has to be around everybody looks at Chicago like Chicago is just it's a city. Every weekend we hear, you know, upwards of, you know, 40-some people being shot, 15 or 20 being killed. But it's the influx of guns that are coming into Chicago from states like Indiana, Keith. Well, Virgil, I, I will tell you that they're coming from everywhere. But I will tell yeah. you that there's an underground there's an underground source. And let me tell you something. I've I've heard somebody say this. Uh, you take one of ours, we take one of yours. That's the most ridiculous thing in the world. You this is not a this is not a swap meet. This is life we're talking about. I don't agree with the, I don't agree with what Darren Chauvin did. I definitely don't agree what happened with Breonna Taylor. But every officer is not like that. Just like everybody in Chicago is not violent. That's the thing that every and that's what that's why that's what bothers me because people try to justify the actions of others based on the fact of this is what I've heard, perception. I'm telling you, a small percentage of Chicago has problems, and it's not everybody that lives in those areas. It's the fact that how do you get to, how do you lose that reputation of being violent when you're portrayed as violent all the time? How do we as police officers lose that, lose that, that um, uh, the, the uh, perception that we are, 
targeting certain people when this is what you're hearing? How do you do that when you continue to do the right thing and you continue to highlight the good things that you're doing and you continue to highlight the lives that weren't lost in Chicago and you continue to highlight the lives that were that were taken by police officers because of de-escalation tactics? That's how we overcome this. We've got to continue to do this and we don't get caught up in this in this blame game. I'll say it again. You said it, Virgil. You got a two-and-a-half-month-old baby girl that will never know her. The only way she'll know her mom is what people tell her. And, and by pictures. She and by pictures and stories. That's the, that's the thing. It's the same thing with George Floyd. His grandkids will never get to know him based, based on what they hear. Breonna Taylor, same thing. All of this got to stop, man. It's got to yeah. stop at some point, and we got to stop pointing fingers and then and holding and then hold hands and figure out what we're going to do. I said before, leave the left out of it, the right out of it, leave color out of it. Let's come to a, some type of agreement of how we're going to end this gun violence because gun violence, period, just violence, period. Yeah. Well, Keith, you know, one of the things that under the uh, – current administration and then the Biden administration, the uh, Attorney General uh, uh, Merrick Garland sent, there's several strike teams that have been sent out to major cities, as you know, and Chicago is one of those cities. So the Department of Justice has strike forces that are working with cities like Chicago, Detroit, and many other cities where there has been a, a, a rise in gun violence to see how they can uh, work with local leaders and police departments to reduce this gun violence. Now, one of the things, Keith, and, and this, is, this goes back to a topic that so many people, and even in law enforcement, there are a lot of police officers who, when you bring up the word straw purchase, they, their attitudes change because now it's like now you are uh, – talking about taking guns away. Now, a straw purchase, you know, a family member can go and buy a weapon uh, and give it to another person. But you've got individuals who are out here who legally have the right to purchase a weapon, and if they give that weapon to somebody else and they go commit a crime, well, Keith, the, the penalty for doing that is, is almost like a piece it's a paperwork. It is a federal offense, but it's something that, is rarely people face any serious jail time behind. Now, they may lose their right to purchase any more weapons, but just like this lady, and the lady in Minneapolis, Keith, this lady and her boyfriend, they were basically homeless, living out of a car. This wasn't just, you know, she was homeless, living in a car, going to all these different uh, gun dealers, buying weapons and selling those weapons on the street. And so when yeah, we talk Virgil, about yeah but, yeah, but Virgil, let me say this. I guarantee you they're gonna dig deeper and find out that there was some people help there was some people financing that. She's not all that oh, well it, well that it, again, there is no there is no way that somebody who's living out of a car they're able to go in and purchase these guns handguns for you know three four five hundred dollars they they didn't have so there's definitely somebody who they, that was 
financially supporting what they were doing. But I think when we get down and we want to talk about how how can these things uh, be prevented, and one of the things is that through, and, and again, this is not talking about the politics of it, but there has to be stiffer penalties for individuals who go and use this loophole, which is a straw purchase, to now give that weapon to somebody else, and they knowingly know that this person is a convicted felon. Go back to the police, the, the former police officer in Tulsa, Oklahoma. She knew her boyfriend was a convicted felon before she gave him that weapon, Keith, but she gave it to him anyway, and he took that weapon, and he used that weapon uh, to, to commit a crime, which was a shooting. So here is somebody who knows the law, who knows what she should and shouldn't be doing, who did not care about her career, but to lose her career because she bought a weapon. And she's not the only police officer. Another police officer, he went and bought a weapon for a family member because the reason he bought it, because he could get it at a cheaper price, and he gave it to his family member. He was uh, ended up losing his job and was convicted of using that uh, straw purchase. So this is how – this is not – the only source of how these weapons are getting into our communities, Keith, but this is just one of them. When people ask the question, well, how are all these guns getting into the, to the hands of people, Chicago and get into the hands of people in Little Rock, Arkansas or Detroit. It's because of individuals who they have the money and there's a demand for these weapons. Well, something's got to be done, Virgil. Um, you know, something's got something's got to be done, man. It, it, it's just it's out of control. Uh, it's it's just out of control. Yeah, well, it is, Keith. And I, you know, uh, unfortunately, we're living in a society where um, so many individuals don't value uh, another person's life. Uh, and these uh, three individuals, the one who purchased the weapon, the two brothers who uh, shot these police officers in Chicago, they don't care anything about this 29-year-old who lost her life and the fact that she just had a uh, a baby that's only two months old. They don't care about that. And so, you know, this is we're just living in a in a in a society who individuals don't care about the other person's life, but I have to go back and and make this point, Keith, before we end the show, is the fact that we need more people like those individuals who stepped up Saturday night in Chicago and who tackled this individual and held this individual down until, until police arrived. We need more people to work with their, and when you see something, say something, do something, and just don't have that attitude of, what is it called, Keith? I'm not a snitch. Uh, I'm not a snitch. I, I don't like, yeah, I don't like the police. You know, or how much money, again, or how much money am I going to get? How much money am I going to get in the reward? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and again, you live in, in, in these communities, these police officers live in these communities, 
they work in these communities. So we just need more people to really work with law enforcement. We're always going to have some bad cops, and we talked about that. But there are a lot of good cops. These two uh, officers that were shot Saturday night, not they were not bad cops. This officer only had been in uh, law enforcement for, what, less than four years, Keith? And That's so her, her life was taken way too short, had a bright future ahead of her. And that's what I want people to understand, that the gun violence is not just against uh, other people in the community. The gun violence is against our men and women. And you've got a lot of people who are saying, well, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't sign up for that. I don't want to be a part of this. I'm getting out. And that hurts uh, uh, our community. So, uh, Keith, unfortunately, I know this is not going to be the last time we have this conversation about uh, officers killed in the line of duty for, from gun violence, but you know, hopefully, the politics will not continue to play to where there are more, uh, where they increase the punishment for individuals who go out and this so-called straw purchase uh, and hand these guns off to other individuals. Well, you know, man, I, I tell you what, it, it's just, yeah, we'll definitely talk about this again. Um, and that's the sad thing about it. It's going to be something that we have to talk about uh, again, over and over and over again. And, and it gets it gets frustrating. It does. Yeah, yeah, it definitely do. And, and unfortunately, the numbers that we uh, shared earlier uh, by, you know, September, October, those numbers will definitely – have increased. But uh, Keith, you know, this has been another great show. Uh, my brother, it's always good uh, to come together to, to, to talk about things that are relevant to, to our communities. So we just want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening to You and the Law podcast show. And if you miss any parts of this show, definitely check us out at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. But you're You've been listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network.